Oh, once again, thank you so much for everything that has gone into this meeting. Man, my soul always gets refreshed when I'm here. Doesn't yours? God's good through this. And preacher, I thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for letting me be a part of it one more time. The pastor said I could say a word or two about my book, so I'll do that real briefly right before I preach. I do have my book table out there. Two things I really enjoy doing in the ministry, especially above all else. Love preaching, love writing. Many of you are so kind as to mention my columns that you read every week in the Chattanooga Times Free Press, the Katusa paper, and such as that. I appreciate that. I've got my books out there. I've got uh, kids' series. If the kids like to read, I've got a great kids' series with history and adventure and mystery, Bible character training, night heroes. I encourage you to look at that. Also got my Dewdrops devotional, daily devotionals, taking scripture one passage after the next, after the next, walking through the Bible. And then all my commentaries that I try to write and hit a sweet spot where preachers and every average person in the pew can sit them and read them and enjoy them and get something from them. So if you want to see any of those, you stop by and I'll be glad to tell you about them. Go to John chapter 1 if you would please. John chapter 1. I know how much Pastor Fallour loves to be paraphrased. So, uh, so to, <clears throat> to, to paraphrase Pastor Fallour, I guess this is uh, sometimes the place where messages will go to die. I hope this one will not. This is a recent one I've been preaching, but it is one that God has helped my heart with, and I hope I can help your heart with it. By this, by this time of the meeting, one thing you know, there's nothing left to preach against. Nothing, nothing. Everything, I mean, everything everything's already been preached against, so at this point in the meeting, I'm just going to try my best uh, to do one of my very favorite things in the world, which is just to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and try to encourage and help his people. John chapter 1, let's begin reading verses, uh, verse 1, and let's go to verse 14 this evening. John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for who you are and for all you've done. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this meeting. Thank you for Pastor Gravely and the Bible Baptist Church and all they have done to make this possible as well as the other churches that have helped and contributed as well. Lord, thank you for your spirit that has met with us and for those who have been regenerated, born into your family. Lord, thank you for your precious word and for the reading of it. Help me as I preach from it. Lord, I pray you just let me be anonymous in the process. Help me to say everything you want said but not a single thing that you don't. Use me any way that you see fit and for everything that you do. We'll give the praise and glory. These things that we pray in Jesus' precious name, <clears throat> amen and amen. Uh, the Bible that you hold in your hands uh, this afternoon, if my count is right, has 783,137 words. But only took 43 of those 783,137 words for God to start saying something. Uh, Genesis 1-3 says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Just one verse after creating man in Genesis 1.26, we read, And God said unto them, in verse 27, 
Among other things, God is a great communicator. And his primary methodology of communicating is with the word. He utilized the spoken word and the written word and the living word to get his message across to mankind. And I want to I look at that this evening. I want to preach on the subject, the wonder of the word. Now, when you look at these verses, it's the living word that we're reading about, the Lord Jesus Christ. There has never been and will never be another word quite like him. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in times past by the, unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Jesus is the living word. If you do not know him as your personal Savior, you need to come to know him today because there's no word like him. If you're backslidden and out of the will of God, you need to return to him with all your heart today because there's no word like him. If you're discouraged or worried or hurting, you need to learn to lean on and to focus on him today. There's no word like him. And if you're apathetic and just sort of ho-hum about God, you need to get fired up about him today. There's no word like him. So I want to look through this passage at the wonder of the word. Notice first of all with me, please, the construct of the word. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. The Bible says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now please hang with me for a few moments as I begin to quote-unquote wax theological about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, these two verses are not a hallmark passage about how we should feel. The subject of these two verses predates us and our feelings by an eternity. These verses are about the Lord Jesus Christ and who and what he is. They are about his construct. Now, we love Christmas. At least I assume we love Christmas. If you're a Grinch and don't love Christmas, please don't rain in my parade. I love Christmas. But Jesus did not come into existence at Bethlehem. He was born at Bethlehem, but he did not come into existence at Bethlehem. You say, I know, I know. He came into existence in Genesis 1, 1, right? No, if you think that, you're an eternity too late. You see, he never did come into existence. He made existence come into existence. John 1, 1 does not say, in the beginning became the Word. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word, Jesus, already was when the beginning became the beginning. Jesus, the Word, is eternal. He is self-existent. He does not exist because there is something now. There is something now because He's always existed. He was and is eternal along with God the Father. But not only has He always existed, we further read that the Word was with God. Now, what does that mean? When we speak of being with someone, it can mean a lot of things in our vernacular. For instance, you think of a room full of people. And you say, well, there's a room full of people right here. They, they, they're with each other. Well, well, let's add one more detail. Think of a room full of introverted people. You have a room full of introverted people. They may be in the same place, but I promise you they're not with each other. They're in the same room and they're looking at their books or their devices. And they're looking at their watch, waiting for the time they can go home and be alone because they don't really want to be there. 
But when this word tells us that the word was with God, it means the exact opposite of that. Barnes is right when he says this expression denotes friendship or deep intimacy. Jesus is not just eternal along with God the Father. He was and he is intimate with God the Father. If we were to hallmark it, we would say their hearts beat as one. For all eternity past, there was never a single disagreement, not a cross word, not a contrary thought, not even a single thing that the one or the other was less than enthusiastic about Jesus the word was and is eternal along with God the Father and was and is intimate with God the Father but we then read and the word was God now do you understand what that means Jesus the word was and is eternal along with God the Father and was and is intimate with God the Father and was and is God along with God the Father not like God not sort of God not partially God not a lesser God but God in the exact same way and in the exact same measure as God the Father has always been God and then for a further clarification regarding time, verse 2 says, the same was in the beginning with God. In other words, all of these truths about Jesus, the word that we find in verse 1, go as far back as God the Father himself goes back. These truths did not become truth at the creation as we see in Genesis chapter 1, nor did these truths become truth at some previous point when God the Father supposedly made God the Son. These truths have always been true because the Son, the Word, has always existed as long as the Father has always existed and has always always been God as long as God the Father has always been God. The Word, Jesus, is in the words of the old hymn, immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the Ancient of Days, Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. This is the wonder of the Word, the wonder of His construct. But notice number two, the creation of the Word. Now just from our examination of the first two verses, you already know when I speak of the creation of the Word that I'm not speaking of Jesus being created since He never was created and has always been. I'm speaking of what the one who, who was never created because He's always been created after having always been. Look at how John put it in the next verse. Verse 3 he says, All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. What exactly is that verse saying? Can you describe it? I can, in fact, describe it in great detail. It goes like this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made a firmament and divided the waters which were under to the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament it was so and God called the firmament of heaven called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day and God said let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place let the dry land appear and it was so and God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he sees and God saw that it was good and God said let the earth bring forth grass the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature of the 
life and the fowl that may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind. It was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, cattle for their kind, everything that creeps on the earth after his kind. God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, to everything that creepeth upon the earth when there's life. I've given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made. Behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Jesus did that. You have a blue ball of dirt called earth to live on because the Word created it. You have dry land and oceans and lakes and rivers because the Word created it. You know why you can see me right now? Because we have light. And you have light because the Word created it. You have lumber for your houses and grass for your lawn and vegetables for your salad because the Word created all of that. You have steak and chicken and eggs and bacon and fish to go beside your vegetables for your salad because the Word created animal life. You have the sun and the sky during the day, the moon and the stars of Scott night, because the Word created all that. And there's a lot of it to create. You may decide after having been cooped up here for an entire week listening to all the good preaching that once you're done, you want to travel a little bit. You might decide, for instance, you want to travel to a little bit far afield. You want to go to the moon. Well, if you want to do that, it's going to be a little bit of a long, long trip. It's 250,000 miles away. But if you want to do that, fine. Go ahead. Please make sure you have at least an F-150 in order to get there. But you're going to go to the moon. It's going to be 250,000 miles away. Once you get there, Maybe you decide you want to venture a little further afield. Maybe you decide you want to go to the sun. Now, I don't really recommend that unless you have really good sunscreen, at least SPF 75 or so. But if you decide you want to go to the sun, it's a little bit longer of a distance. It's 93 million miles away. Maybe you want to experience the rest of our solar system, all the, all the planets, Mercury and Venus, Uranus and, and Saturn and Jupiter and Pluto. But maybe you want to leave our solar system. Maybe you want to go to the next available star out there. Well, that one's known as Alpha Centauri. Uh, that one's 4.4 billion light year, or 4.4 light years away. Now, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. It can lap the Earth seven times every second. It goes faster than a preaching clip on Twitter. So I'm telling you, it's really, really fast. Light, light, light travels very fast, and, and you're going to need to travel 186,000 miles per second for 4.4 solid years just to get to the next available star outside of our solar system. But our solar system is only a part of the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is really, really big. I mean, it's enormous. But you see, it's not the only galaxy out there. Our Milky Way galaxy is one of an estimated 2 trillion galaxies in the universe. And the estimated number of stars in all of those 2 trillion galaxies is 200 sextillion, or put another way, 200 billion trillion stars. And almost as an afterthought, verse 16 says, and he made the stars also. Oh, let's just... Let's just make two trillion galaxies. Here you go. Let's have 200 billion trillion stars. Here you go. I can handle that. The Word did all of that. The God 
who created it all, created it all at once. Time and matter and space all came into being at the exact same time. That time is found in Genesis 1-1. It's found in the words in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And John 1-3 specifies us that the God who is in the beginning spoken of is the, the word that made heaven and earth, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the God who did not need a space in which to exist or a time in which to exist or a material universe in space or time in which to exist existed for an eternity past and then chose to make a time in which for there to be space and matter and space in which there could actually be matter. Some 350 years ago, the brilliant Sir Isaac Newton said, this most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of intelligent being. This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world, but as Lord over all. And on account of his dominion, he is wont to be called Lord God. That's the word. Acts 17, 28 says, for in him we live and move and have our being. We may have a good life or a bad life or a short life or a long life, but without the word, none of us would have a life at all. There's an effect because there was a cause. That's the way it always works. The effect is our existence in a universe of time and space and matter. The cause is the eternal God, the word who made the time and space and matter and then made us to exist within that universe of time and space and matter. Can we bring it down to a very small point? There's a you because God wanted there to be a you. If this sovereign God had not wanted there to be a you in his universe, there wouldn't be a you in his universe. There's a you because the God who made all that wanted there to be a you. The Word's always existed as long as God the Father has always existed. He's always been God as long as God the Father has been God. He created every single item in the universe and every atom making up all those items as well as the time and space for all those items made up of all those atoms to exist in, including us. This is the wonder of the Word, the wonder of His construct, and the wonder of the Word, the wonder of His creation. But then notice number three, the condescension of the Word. Look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What have we learned so far? The Word's always existed as long as the Father's always existed. Always been God as long as God the Father's always been God. He created every single item in the universe and every atom making up all those items as well as the time and space and matter for all those items made up of all those atoms who existed, including us. And the universe He made for us is huge. Two trillion galaxies, 200 billion trillion stars, and all of those 200 billion trillion stars, by the way, are made up of countless trillions of atoms, all of which are moving and vibrating and rotating at rapidly high speeds. This is a universe of incomparable complexity moving all about. It is a disaster waiting to happen except for one thing. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, by him all things consist. This moving galaxy, this moving universe, these moving atoms, God has his hand around it. The words has his hand around it saying, I've got this. It's not going anywhere. That grandeur on his part makes his condescension all the more amazing. You see the word the Son of God who made all things, who, by the way, lived in a glorious place called heaven, either somewhere inside or maybe even outside of this universe, a place where the capital city paves Main Street with gold, a place where the angels of God worship without ceasing, left all of that behind to come here. Size-wise, earth is by no means an impressive thing in our universe. We're really little more than a speck of dust in a vast expanse. And yet the great God who created it all left heaven behind to come here. And when he came here... He didn't come in all of his glory and power. 
In fact, verse 14 tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He allowed Himself by means of the miracle of the Holy Ghost to be conceived in the womb of a virgin, to be born as a helpless babe, to be nursed and changed and fed and carried from place to place. But His condescension doesn't even begin to end there. Not only did he come to an unimpressive speck of dust in the vast expanse of the universe, not only was he born in flesh as a helpless babe on that speck of dust in the vast expanse of the universe, but he was born in what we would call a barn, generously speaking, laid in a feeding trough and then raised in the worst part of what we would probably call the ghetto. The condescension of the word still doesn't end there, though. He lived sinlessly and yet allowed himself to be slandered as a drunkard and as one demon possessed. He broke no laws, yet was arrested and tried and put to death in the most horrifying manner. And he did so willingly and having premeditated the entire arrangement. In fact, Revelation 13.8 calls him the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Oh, how great was the condescension of the word. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If you and I could somehow magically transform ourselves into a worm wiggling in a mud puddle of a third world country, that would not even begin to come close to the level of condescension of the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. There's never been a greater act of humility in all of time or eternity than the Word condescending to men of low estate, becoming flesh and dwelling among us. What do we know? Well, the world, the Word's always existed as long as the Father's existed. He's always been God. As long as God the Father's been God, He created every single item in the universe as well as every atom making up all those items and as well as all the time and space for all those items made up of all those atoms to exist in, including us. Then He left the grandeur of His throne in heaven somewhere out there, became flesh on this tiny speck of dust in the vast expanse of the universe just so He could live and die for us. It's the wonder of the Word, the wonder of His construct, the wonder of the Word, the wonder of His creation, the wonder of the Word, the wonder of His condescension. Then notice number four, the choice of the Word. You've absorbed a lot of information so far, but can I tell you something? God's not just a God of information. He's a God of intimacy and a God of intention. All of this had a purpose. All of it had a reason. Look at verses 11 and 12. He actually gives us the reason. He's good like that. Verse 11 and 12 says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. That is the purpose of everything you've learned about the Word so far. Here's how the Word Himself put it, Luke 19, 10. He said, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is not simply my belief. This is not simply an opinion. This is not something simply that's taught in Bible colleges and Bible-leaving churches. Those are the very words of the Word. This is Jesus giving us the why of all of this. Again, He put it this way. He came unto His own. His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, please listen to me very, very, very carefully. If the chief purpose of God was simply to be powerful, there would have been no need for any of this because he was already all-powerful before there ever was time or space or matter. He is omnipotent and he's omnipotent without even having to try to be omnipotent. If the chief purpose of God was simply to be glorified, there would have been no need for any of this because the 
the best we can do is glorify Him in, an, in a fallible, human, frail manner. But the Father and the Son and the Spirit have the ability to glorify each other perfectly, flawlessly, eternally, incessantly, without ever having to stop and without ever getting it wrong. But when we read in Revelation 13, 8 that he's the lamb slain from, meaning back from the foundation of the world, it becomes clear that this was God's ultimate purpose all the way along. Simply put, the God who existed before time and space and matter because he did not need time and space and matter in which to exist, made time and space and matter and formed it into the universe around us merely by speaking and making it so. And in that universe of true trillion galaxies and 200 billion trillion stars, that God created a tiny little speck of dust in the vast expanse of the universe, a little blue planet called Earth and on that little blue planet called Earth God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul and he and his omniscience did so with perfect foreknowledge of the fact that the man to whom he gave a free will and offered a free choice would use that free will to make a free choice to disobey God and fall into sin and he then in his great love and with his great mercy and through his great grace showed the greatest condescension possible in time or eternity by leaving his throne in his glorious heaven and coming to this little speck of dust called earth and being born in flesh with a specific purpose of dying for and redeeming fallen man. And he who had given man a choice in the beginning gave man a choice once again as he walked among them, a choice to receive him or a choice to reject him. Verse 11 tells of those who rejected him. Verse 12 tells of those who received him him and they were the specific purpose of God for doing all of this. God put all this into the place, this universe of two trillion galaxies 200 billion trillion stars just to have a place to come and die for fallen man and say here I am and I'd like to have a relationship with you just me real carefully in, in, in our mind in our mind it ought to always be all about him because in his mind, it was always all about us. I, I can't wrap my mind around that. If I, if I, if I was God, I'd have a hard time it being all about me because I know me. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did all this. To bring you, some of you, to this exact point in time for you to realize he loves you and died for you and wants to save you. God did all this. He threw a universe into place just so you'd have this moment in time to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Can you imagine he wants to spend eternity with you. He wants to talk with and fellowship with you. He wants, he wants to be close to you. If you don't know him, you need to come to know him. And if you struggle with the devil telling you, you're nothing important. You may as well just pack it in. There's no need for you to even exist. You may as well end it all. Tonight, when you leave here, look up in the sky, yeah. <laughs> point at all that, and then go, 
else. He did all that for you. Let's all stand, heads but eyes are closed. If I could have someone come to play a hymn of invitation, somebody get ready to lead it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I thank God for those who were saved last night. Oh, what a blessing. Oh, what a blessing. But I wonder if there's perhaps more today that have not yet accepted Christ. If you're here this afternoon and you say, Preach, I know this. I know that I'm saved. I've repented of my sins. I've trusted what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. I've become that new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 talks about it. I know I'm saved, Preacher. If you can say that honestly, would you slip your hand up where I can see it? God bless you and put them down. So many hands, so many hands. I wonder though in the expanse of this room if there's some who would say, Preacher, I don't know yet that I'm saved. Preacher, I just, I, 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 I don't think I'm saved. If that's you, would you slip your hand up where I can see it? Across the building. Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. God bless you. See that hand. Are there others? Are there others? Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. Now listen to me very carefully. In just a moment, we begin to sing. I'm asking you to make your way to the altar. Kneel down, slip your hand up. We'll send somebody to the Bible to help you. But before we do that, child of God, I've got a question. I just wonder how many of you have, how many of you have sort of heard that whispering from the serpent from time to time. There's nothing to you. You may as well just pack it in. Have you heard that? Throw your hand up if he's told you that. I see hands, hands going up all across the building. Yet God made a universe of 200 billion trillion stars just so he could get to know you. The devil's a liar. He's a liar. God did all this just so he could have a you to come to know. So why don't you make your way to the altar and say, Lord, if you'll help me, I'm never listening to that voice again. If you did all this for me, if you thought I was to die for, then Lord, I think you're to live for. The altar's open. Would you come right now? Go ahead and sing, brother. Altar's open. God bless you. Good folks coming from across the building. Whatever you need, just come. You left your home. Good, good, good. Whatever you need, just come on. Just come on. Came to die. Just come on. My prince are on yes. the spear that was thrust. Whatever you need, just come. Into your side. You're still moving, just come. I've heard you so much. And I've caused you lots of pain. But your love was so great that for me you came to say. Oh, yes. Folks are still moving. I don't deserve a thing. Whatever you need, just come on. Thanks, thanks, thanks for loving me. I don't understand it, but thanks for loving me.
heaven and die on Calvary. And I'll say thanks, thanks, thanks for loving me. I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve a thing. Thanks.